listening to the Ed Reach Network. Ed Gamer episode 81 on Ed Reach. John Hunter brings us world peace. This is Ed Gamer for Saturday, December 15th, 2012. Ed Gamer is part of the Ed Reach Network, edreach.us, giving education a voice. A big voice. Very nice. nice. Very nice. This show is dedicated to education gaming on any platform. We will give you the education angle on any type of games ranging from tabletops to MMOs. We will discuss how these games impact student learning and how they can be used effectively within the classroom. I'm Zach. And I'm Jerry. And I'm John. And as you can tell, we have another voice today. <laughs> And that would be John Hunter. John, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, my name is John Hunter, and I'm a fourth grade uh, elementary school teacher specializing in gifted education in Charlottesville, Virginia. And, and, and Jerry, I think he's done a little bit more than that, but I think we'll talk about that. Hey, we'll get to the rest. <laughs> yeah. So, Jerry, uh, who, who are you? My name is Jerry James, and I'm a visual arts teacher in Schaumburg, Illinois. And my name is Zach Gilbert, and I'm your host. I'm a sixth grade social studies language arts teacher from Normal, Illinois. So, as you can hear, we have a wonderful guest today, and uh, John is, is joining us from Virginia, and he has a little story to share. But before we do that, Jerry, mm-hmm. what do we? What's been going? On? We, we missed you last week, by the way. Yeah, yeah, little family, you know, family things to take care of, wife's birthday, a few other things going on. So it's been been busy weeks, busy weeks. It's December birthday. December birthday. Yep. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah that tough. can. Yeah, it can be. I, I mean, it's I, tough I, on me. More than anybody. <laughs> yeah, because it really no, doesn't matter. Gifts, yeah. yeah, she's not. It's not like, hey, honey, since you have a December birthday, can I give you a little bit less? That's, that's not, not, not going to happen. No, that's not going to happen. Not a good that's idea. That's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, what's What's going on in school? Uh, the game club. What's did you Did you have game club? Yeah, this yeah, past week. Game this club, week. Game club's been a highlight. It's been a rough week at school. We We lost a student, unfortunately. So. Oh, I'm sorry, Jerry. Yeah, it was. uh, It's it's been a rough week all around. It was was really good student. It was a tragic accident. So it, you know, it's one of those times you take a take a long time to look around at what you actually do, and the kids are, you know, really, really broken up, and it's a, you know, a hit and run kind of thing. So there's no closure to it at all. And uh, this was our highest scoring. uh, You know, he just won an award for being the highest scoring African American in the in the school on the PSAE, the practice, or the PS, PSAT, the practice test. He got a full ride scholarship, cross country runner, great kid. So it's been, it's been a rough week. It's been a rough uh, week. So, you know, we, we take our bright spots now where we can and it's, it's been, but, um, well, count your blessings and, and, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. So it, you said uh, Game Club kind of helped to relieve. Yeah, Game Club was, but, you know, it, it was kind of nice because it was it was actually after the, you know, the funeral. So some kids were there, you know, missed a few kids, but um, but it was really nice. We had a, a a lot of kids come out. They've been we've been moving into a little bit of electronic gaming too, you know. So we we're put, putting things up on the big screen, playing a, a lot of old school games coming out. The GameCube has made a you know, made its appearance at least two weeks running now and, and there's oh, no. there are some big tournaments forming. But uh but it's Mario awesome. Kart. Um you know, I'm trying to remember what they were playing now. Um uh, I wasn't in there. But there the you know, just kinda four-player battles going on it's metroid uh, no, that's not four-player it's it, it's pretty amazing it's it's good you know and we're getting a lot of kids uh, a lot of our uh, a lot of our kids are getting some really good social social skills out of it so, good yeah 
Good. Yeah, John, we've uh, Jerry kind of started his game club up and up at his high school, and then I just started mine, and and uh, it's been, you know, we get all walks of life, which huh. is wonderful. That's a great uh, thing to do for kids. Wonderful game clubs. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. So yeah, last week we did another board game um, uh, version. I brought Small World, which is uh, 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 oh goodness, Days of Wonder, that Days of Wonder game. Uh huh. And it's a it's it's a lot of fun showing the kids how to play the game. Uh, what I love doing is showing them how to play, and the next time we meet, have those kids start teaching other kids, and that's that really gets exciting. Um, I've finally got uh, a Minecraft server working and having kids connecting to it. Wow! So that's that's, that's our impressive. next step. Yeah, that's going to be our next step, uh, getting into that. And then I just showed to my classroom and and. John, this is a game that I don't know if you know about, but uh, Civilization. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's and, wonderful. Yeah, Civilization 4. Uh, I'm going to get that loaded on some laptops and do that in the classroom next week. Uh, so we're really excited about kind of where we're headed with that. So, right, And you're done. What's that, John? I said I bet your classroom is just buzzing all the time. And that it, it, going on. It's, it's fun. It is a lot of fun. And it, like I said, um, it's nice when you have fun, too, as a teacher. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's nice when you have fun, and they're working, and they're working hard and having fun. Uh, I just had, and this is what's awesome, is that I've had this student this year. She's really kind of coming into her own. Mm. She was very quiet. Uh, we've gotten her some extra help, right. uh, you know, and showing her that, you know, hey, we care about you. We want you to work hard, and we're going to help get where you need to go. And right. she got Minecraft on her laptop, oh. and she built, we're teaching, I'm just finishing up Egypt. She built these pyramids, oh, wow. and she started figuring out that I got 52 blocks on this side, 52 on this side, 52 on this side, and the next level was 51. And, and, and she's going to work with the math teacher and try to figure out the area oh. of this pyramid. And then, yeah, it's so integrating the math. And then she built a tomb on the inside, and then she built an underground cavern and another tomb underneath the the pyramid. And she was just smiling from ear to ear, and she was impressing the other kids. And this is a kid that's very quiet. And so when the other kids were like, wow, how did you do that? Mm -hmm. That that gave her some confidence, and that's what – that's what games do, and, and kind of leading into this, uh, you have a game, John. Yeah, I uh, surely do. It's, it's called the World Peace Game. It's a gigantic geopolitical simulation. But interestingly, what you, what you said, Zach, about the, the way this girl uh, apprehended math, I mean, we, we kind of call it uh, Trojan horse teaching in a way that you know, <laughs> the game is kind of a, the interface or the, or the uh, mask over the curriculum. You know, you lift the hood and there's all kinds of teaching tools under there. But on the surface of it, you know, it looks like a kid's game. You're having a great time. But it's really a very deep thing that you've got going there. It's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It's more it's more real, realistic than what people can imagine because, mm-hmm. you know, especially math and other math science, whatever your job is, whatever you're doing, if you're creating in any any way, right. uh, it, it's there. Right. It's there. Yeah. So you have this – and it all – yeah, right. getting you, sorry, um, getting you and contacting you came about from a, a friend of mine, a teacher friend, and sent me this link to uh, your TED Talk, oh. and I was just blown away, and I'm like, this is, we are just like, I have no idea how in the world we could ever do this in the classroom. It's different. You you have a unique situation which, with what you're doing, yeah. uh, but looking at it, and we as social studies teachers were just like, how did he do this? What What is he doing here? 
And we decided, hey, Jerry and I is like, hey, why don't we just try to contact John? Guy. Yeah, let's talk to him. <laughs> let's contact him and see what's going on here. So you, it's a geopolitical game. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. what's, explain wow. a little bit more here. Sure. It, it's it's a, a long journey, too. It, it started about 35 years ago. It was my first my first effort as a teacher, actually, my first piece of curriculum. It's interesting that the first thing I turned to in teaching was a game. Strangely enough, I invented a game. And it was based on, uh, I think, probably what you're familiar with, uh, looking at what kids really love to do and how they really love to learn. We call it the line of least resistance teaching, or LOLR. So we realized in 1978 we didn't have the Internet or texting or anything. So No. They loved, yeah, that was all we had was games. So they loved games. So I saw I'll build curriculum around uh, games. I mean, build what they have to study, which was social studies at the time. I think we we're studying world history in Africa. And uh, I'd I build a game using that curriculum. And I think problem solving, we said problem solving had just been invented in 1970 as a curriculum. <laughs> that was so, the first time. Yeah, so we threw that in. It was a mashup, you know, problem solving, studying Africa, and then games. And that was the first World Peace game. It was a gigantic uh, four by five piece of plywood on the floor. I taped <laughs> off the continent and got some toy pieces, uh, hobby store. Uh, models and things and put them on the board and divided the continent of Africa up and, and found all the problems. I said, let's do some problem solving. Let's figure out how we can solve all the problems for this continent. And that was the first World Peace game. And it's since evolved into a four foot by four foot by four foot plexiglass tower. And it actually towers over most of the nine-year-olds I'm playing with. Uh, and it's a long, uh, detailed uh, description, but essentially four countries are pitted against each other on every level of this four-foot structure, outer space level and aircraft level and undersea level and ground and sea level. And they're pitted against each other in, in every way possible, militarily, economically, and socially. And they've got to unravel 50 different problems, global problems, and solve them all, increase every country's asset value by the end of the game. And that's how the game is won. Everybody has to win. So that's essentially what I've been doing for 35 years. Wow. Does everybody win? You know, the, yeah, the game requires that everybody have now, how they do it, I have no idea. And that's the open-end game. That's the open-ended trap door. I don't know how they're going to do it. They don't know. There is technically or practically speaking no way possible to do it because I've in, in interconnected all the, the problems so well or so much that uh, to unravel one, you change everything else. And so you're constantly having – you're forced into deeper critical and creative thinking just by the natures of, of the interconnecting problems you face. Yeah, that's that's deep. Now, I did notice. Yeah, the board is pretty big. I mean, do you have a ladder? <laughs> you know, it's actually I step step on a little step stool to get the top put on. And the kids, they got to stand in their chairs to move things on that level. They have a big wand, a long three foot wand. They move things on the spacecraft level. OK. Oh, yeah. I was wondering. Yeah. I was like, how do they get up there? You know, <laughs> hang them from the ceiling if we know. Yeah. And that's is that why you use plexiglass so they can actually see their pieces? Well, yeah, the plexiglass was really an innovation that came to me when, when the whole uh, idea came to me all of a sudden that they, they needed 360. They needed spherical comprehension. They needed to be able to see everything and understand everything and be aware of everything at once. Sort of, sort of uh, simultaneous awareness of, of all cre- all reality. And that was the best way to go about it was to make it clear so that they could have glass. And the strange metaphor is that the glass, there's, there's really nothing there. The glass is transparent. So here we are, 30 of us gathered around this almost uh, empty structure trying to solve the problems of the world. <laughs> it's kind of an odd thing. It, you know, it just, it just came to me. The, um, they're all interconnected within this game, mm-hmm. right? 
That's and you started this back in the late 70s, early 80s, and that's before, you know, of course we know our kids are connected to the world more so today than any other generation. Yeah. Um, and But it kind of seems like you were having them interconnected back in a time when really that wasn't even thought of. Yeah, I don't, I don't even think we had the word interconnection. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but, you know, the interesting thing was that uh, we, we, I put fictional countries in the game after a while, fictionalized countries, because – I started with original real-world countries, and I found that the kids were stagnating. They were actually trying the same answers that the real world tries with the same countries. They huh. listen to their parents, listen to the news, come back in and try the same old thing. It wouldn't work. So we switched <laughs> that. Yeah, we can't do it. I know, I know. We pulled out the convention, and, and that really liberated them. The situations are, are sort of tem- templates of the same kinds of problems, but the, the country uh, – country personalities disappear so they can be a little bit more creative and free and not tied to history that way. Uh, I think that's great because, uh, you know, as somebody who's been involved in Model United Nations, oh, yeah. uh, myself, and, and, and seeing the real one and mm-hmm. seeing how we interact with other countries, yeah, if we start, <laughs> if we keep doing it the same way, yeah. it, 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 it's not getting done and that's yeah. the problem. And yeah. I think thinking outside the box, having them do, uh, you know, a, you know, a yeah. non-real country. That's right. Uh, yeah. country. Yeah, I think that's great. Yeah, we we were fortunate to be invited to the Pentagon and not too long ago. And one of the uh, one of the generals said, you know, you you could teach them some military strategy before they go in. Teach them, for example, that if you send a work uh, uh, an aircraft carrier off some country's coast, that's called a show of force, and it might make them change their policies. And I said, well, yeah, I could, but then they would they would wouldn't learn it. They would just be told something. So I, I try to not fill their heads with conventions, but really strip away conventions that already exist and try and let them discover for themselves what works and what doesn't. And it's kind of the hard way, but it's the way that's most experiential and they viscerally really get things, I think, better. Well, and they remember it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I I find that with... Go ahead, Jerry. I was just going to say, I think there's not enough of that happening in education. I think we're starting to see a big shift from, you know, the old the vain theory that like I'm going to pass this knowledge down to you because like yeah. I have the knowledge and I'm going to give right. it to you yeah. as opposed to this collective intelligence that we're seeing now where maybe the teacher doesn't have the most intelligence maybe it's on the internet you know wow. and, and, and I'm showing you how to get it and I'm, mm-hmm. and I'm letting you explore I like that that's, that's, that's exactly right Jerry that's exactly my experience in the classroom that you know you you're one person and you you're an authority figure up front or wherever you are in the room but that doesn't mean you know everything and so i have to admit to my students i don't know so we're going to have to figure this out together and then you set the stage for this kind of hyper collaboration this sort of team effort where you you as a teacher is part of the team and they really respect you for allowing them to be your peers which makes a whole different way about of going about learning i think uh, it's yeah. that we are in the same sphere because mm. that's that's exactly I tell my kids all the time you your 30 brains are much more powerful wow. than my one that's it and that's exactly right <laughs> yep and so you know pl- starting the civilization game next week it's it's hard for me not to let them <laughs> not to let them fail why are I you know, building that there why are you doing that what what are you thinking you know and and, and you got to stand back you got to let them figure it out um, and then failure, and it's something that's been a theme that <laughs> theme on our show, um, you know, with a lot of people that we've talked to is, you know, mm-hmm. failure is not a bad thing. Right. You learn from it. Well, you know, that's exactly my, my experience, too. And that, that uh, what, what we've come to understand in playing this simulation is that failure is a natural part of life or basically not meeting our ideals, what we think reality should look like at a certain point. And then we understand that our perception is a big part of that, what we think it looks like. Uh, success or failure 
And if we sort of relax on some of that or just learn to allow the concepts to go free and just deal with the experience directly, we have a much better time of it, whether we call it failure or success, and it's all learning experiences. So you're right, just allowing students to go in and have the experience themselves when you, know, you and I are trying to keep our hands off the machine and just let them do it. And sometimes when I, when I want to mostly do something and tell them what the right thing is or please don't do that, I'm wrong, I find out later. You know, I think I have Yeah, they figure out another way. Yeah. You're like, that's not going to work. And you're like, oh, maybe that will. <laughs> Glad I was quiet there for a while. Yeah, I think that's, exactly. That's one of the great you know, powers of, of a project like this because so many times in the classroom now, so many teachers are, are faced with that they can't afford kids to fail, you know, whether it, whether it's their grades or an online test because teachers are being evaluated by these kind of yeah. things. It's so great to have things that kids can fail on yeah. and, and learn from it. That's right. That's almost the best way to learn is to just try everything and see what happens. And, of course, you're going to fail in some of those attempts. But that's, I mean, I don't know many great people who just succeeded every time they tried something, you know. And, mm. and most people have had, even the greatest ones of us, have had to fail repeatedly for a while until we figured it out. And if they're fortunate, they had a system or a situation that allowed them to try it, you know, and not have yeah. to get it right every time. Well, you know... With us being from, uh, you know, Illinois, mm. land of Lincoln, yeah. you know, there's this wonderful poster that talks about all the failures uh, of Abraham Lincoln. Really? And, you know, losing this, you know, didn't, I think he lost his job, you know, he lost uh -huh. this case, you know, there, there's a whole list of them. And, uh -huh. you know, it, it, sometimes you just have to learn from those things, but you got to get up and you got to try it again yeah. and do it a different way. Try it a different way. Yeah. Uh, doing the same thing over and over again, uh, you know. <laughs> Sometimes is not not the best, <laughs> right? But but kids have that innocence that you know and and openness yeah. sometimes to where that okay that doesn't work I'll try it a different way. That's right, especially in the gaming context. You know you're you have the freedom to be able to do that, but the pressure's off, and that allows the creativity to be I think more confident in expressing itself. Yes. Mm -hmm. So what um, if you can mm -hmm. tell us if not, yeah, can sure. you give us an example of one of the, um, I guess, scenarios or situations that you put the kids in? Sure. Because I, I get a whole big picture of, you know, OK, yes, it's a geopolitical game. Uh -huh. You know, my brain starts figuring out, OK, how does he because it's a simulation. <laughs> it's a game, but it's a simulation. And I'm sure you've tweaked it. Yeah, uh, you okay. know, const you probably okay. tweak it constantly. Yeah. So, what is? Can you give us an example of one of the scenarios that the kids have to go through? Sure. There's actually a formula that I sort of came up with in a dream, actually, and it it basically arranges it so that every crisis is tied to every other crisis in one or two or three more or more ways. So that if you try to deal with one thing, you're going to be tied into other things automatically. And if you can see the consequences, you can get ahead of it. But if you can't, you're going to get hit by things that are connected and you didn't see coming up. So there's every crisis I could get from the rip from the headlines kind of a thing. And one example would be the endangered species crisis. And that's essentially a very impoverished country. It's actually an Arctic country where ice locked and they've got very little. Their people are on the verge of famine. And oil has just been discovered on a northern uh, island, uh, ice-covered island of that country. Now, they've, they've got the wherewithal to do drilling, and if they could produce oil revenue and do it quickly, they could avert some of the famine and save some of their people. However, the country nearby, sort of a, I don't know, my kids call them hippies with guns, basically kind of green-free people. <laughs> 
they have said, you know, their job is to protect every life form on the planet, and they cannot allow any to be killed and destroyed. And at that well-drilling site that the impoverished country wants to drill on their own land, a microscopic life form has just been discovered that's so rare and so amazing, and it may unlock untold secrets to us in medicine and who knows what. But if the drilling goes ahead, it's pretty certain that life form will be destroyed. So this country to the uh, north of them, who is very committed to protecting every life form, has taken its navy and surrounded that island, which isn't theirs. It's, it belongs to the other country. They surrounded the island and said they will not allow any drilling to occur on that island. And these people are infuriates. You know, they appeal to the UN. You can't let them do that. They can't keep us from our own land. Meanwhile, another country has offered to buy the, the island, straight out the whole thing, for a huge amount of money. And then, on the other hand, a document was recently discovered. I pull out this crumpled up piece of paper that's it's an old sort of a treaty that was just discovered. <laughs> the kids just discovered it. <laughs> Stains on it, it's all torn up and everything. And it says that the, the island is owned by, but it's smudged about who it's owned by, so there's some dispute about the actual ownership of the island in the first place. So the kids, kids they can't legitimately sell it, it seems, so they ask the UN what to do about that. Meanwhile, another country from the and so it goes on like that. We're tying everybody up in knots, basically around this one problem. That's one of the 50 crises that we've stacked on each other. But they're interrelated, and they also go into the aircraft level, the outer space level. Some countries are space powers, some undersea powers. So wherever I can tie them in on a different level, crises are tied in that way too with every other. But you, country. but you connect them. Yeah, and that's and that's important because that's that is real. Well, hopefully, yeah. And the UN's there. We have uh, the World Bank is there. They can do loans. The kids invented insurance one year. They didn't know what it was, but they kept having disasters. <laughs> so they said, look, let's just give us a little bit of your money, everybody, and we'll just keep it in the pot for you until somebody needs it. And I said, you just invented insurance. They said, we did? What's that? Well, you just did it. Look it up. So it's kind of fun. But uh, the idea is that everything is so interrelated, as it really is in life. It's interdependent. And that realization comes to them through experience rather than me trying to say, this is interdependence, boys and girls. Please observe what I'm telling you. They learn it themselves physically through their own bodies and experiences and emotions. Now, do they get to a point where when they finally, you know, when they realize this, and they might realize it early on or later or whatever, that they, since they are so interdependent, that they actually, do they try to say, okay, let's just drop all this silliness and just work together. Wow, so you're you're a psychic, Zach. I don't know where you where you're getting this, but well, half, I am a soul studies teacher. He is a psychic. <laughs> he has a degree in it. But uh, about halfway through every game, or two thirds of the way through, there's a sudden realization, and usually one kid gets it, or or sometimes the whole group gets it at once. You can see it happen. You can see their eyes just suddenly widen, and the room gets very suddenly still, and it dawns on them all at once. Oh, this fiction of us fighting against each other is all just that a fiction really we're playing against the game together and they at that moment they literally all do come together it's it's sort of like i, I imagine there's a click you can almost hear it in the room when they sort of get into this thing together and then they enter this this thing that some scientists call a state of flow it really is a beautiful thing to watch because they are simultaneously spouting answers to each other for the same kinds of problems that weren't apparent or could not be discerned before at all. Suddenly, so all get mm -hmm. it, they're rushing about, they're putting things in place, they're excited, they're laughing, they're, they're mastery level, and they realize it, they realize that they've attained mastery, and then they really, really begin to play. And they even create new crises for themselves just to keep the game going longer, because they know they can solve any problem. They can solve anything, they know they can. 
so they invent more. Can we have some more crises, Mr. Hunter? <laughs> just a few more. Yeah. Or I think I'm going to attack him. Why? I don't know. I just want to do it because it might make the game go on longer. Oh, geez. Literally. Yeah, you, you, you said flow, and I was waiting for Jerry to pipe in. What do you say? <laughs> you know about that? Uh, yeah, we were. that was a big part of the, you know, we always studied that a lot with the artistic side of things. And then, okay, here comes the name again, which I always get wrong. Chichman Howe. Chichman Howe. Yeah, there we go. See? He's in, the book. he's in the World Peace Game book that's just been released in April. Yeah, he's in there. The flow. Oh, my goodness. That's, that's awesome. awesome. Yeah. You're right on time. That's... You guys, both of you are psychic. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, we well, it's 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 becoming this. We have it, I wouldn't say inner circle because it's not like we're wanting to keep people out or anything. But it's it seems the circle is getting bigger and bigger, and mm. it's very exciting because you know even a person that you said that you're not a really a game person. Mm-hmm. I, I think all people are game people, whether it's Words with Friends or, uh, or yeah. Scrabble or whatever it is, yeah. you know, to, to really complex games, which this is, mm-hmm. um, it's, we are, it, it's kind of spreading. It, uh-huh. It's spreading. You've been doing this for a long time. Uh-huh. Uh, but the idea and the concepts of seeing how interactive simulations and games mm-hmm. can, can teach. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm guessing since you went to the Pentagon, I, I am almost positive that they not only do simulations themselves with on a military level, but probably within departments and um, team building and and other sites, uh, other types of games and simulations that they that they work together in order to become better at what they do. Yeah, you know, I, I'm not at liberty to disclose. Actually, I don't know, but <laughs> <laughs> but I've heard tell that they have a multi-billion-dollar budget for gaming at the Pentagon. Now, who would have yeah. thought that they value that to such an extent that they would allot that kind of funding for it? I, I really don't know, but I, I do know my my philosophy concerning games. I guess you could say would. You know, I've started, I guess, as a student of life, you know, studying meditation and so forth. You know, life is kind of a big game in a way. And so, like you said, you're really all, we're all playing a game one way or the other. We're trying to figure out how to get get through this thing in the best way or get to the goals or come to some understanding somehow. And so maybe these simulations can help us actually live better because they're kind of a dry run for some of the things that are facing us that are so important and so critical, too. Yeah. Um, just kind of looking at our outline here because we've kind of bounced all over the place, yeah, which is it. which is OK. Um, <laughs> Thanks. Which is OK. I mean, no problem at all. We're very flexible. We're teachers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, OK. So in the when you release the book, I mean, is there is there a way for a teacher to say, OK, I want to try something like this or or put it together? Do mm-hmm. you have some type of kit or are you, are you going to start a Kickstarter? And uh, put something together out. <laughs> well, you know, it, this is a really good question. This is actually the primary question facing me now. What to do now? What to do next? And I really thought long and hard uh, for a long time about the game. And 10 years ago, I would have said, no way will I ever want the game to be virtual or be online or be in that virtual format. Because I thought it would take away from the visceral, in-your-face kind of being in the room, smelling the pheromones from you know your opponents and that kind of thing. But I've kind of softened in my old age and allowed that maybe um, for, for legacy purposes, certainly, that I can't teach or share this fast enough or enough if it does any good at all. I've got to allow for other means. So we're open to that possibility. And we fortunately had some great people really think about this with us. Uh, IDEO, this firm in Silicon Valley that uh, one of the, the, the premier design firm on the planet, the design thinking. 
they recognize World Peace Games Design Thinking, invited me there, gave me several days of thought about this. And we figured that uh, they had three, three possible outcomes, they thought. One was putting this in a box and putting it on a shelf and selling it in the store is probably going to be a total fail. <laughs> I said, why? I said, well, people aren't going to want to come into a store and say, give me that game, the World Peace game, you know, the one on a shelf that fails all the time and fails badly. I don't want that one for my kids. <laughs> That's the one I want because the game, the World Peace game is designed to fail massively at first. It's designed to do that. It has to. How many people want to subject themselves to that just straight out of the box? But on the other hand, there have been a number of teachers. Uh, I'm doing these things called World Peace Game Master Classes around the world now. And a number of teachers have come for these two- to five-day seminars, and we've gone deep into the mechanics of this thing from the philosophical point of view, the mechanical point of view, the practical point of view. And most of them, and what I'm so happy about, is they've come away with not only the World Peace Game, if they ever want to try it themselves, but most of them get inspired to take off from the World Peace Game and invent something better. They go deeper and do their own thing in a different way, which is just fantastic. So that's that's been, I think, the way it's sort of virally gone. But um, we've had offers to do holographic simulations. We've had offers to do um, super enhanced video conference, holodeck kinds of things. So we'll see what happens. I'm still looking at what might come about with that. Well, and after we're done, <laughs> we, we, we need to talk because uh, I think we have a few connections that um, it could interest you. Oh, yeah, sure. We're could interest you. That's one of the things that's been wonderful about doing the show is that uh, we've, we've really connected to and, and have made contacts with uh, some people, especially in this area, that have learning in mind. Yeah. You know, they, they, they want to do it right. And uh, so we'll, we'll talk when we're done. <laughs> we'll oh, talk yeah. when we're done. I don't work at the pretzels. That's what's pretty Yeah, no, oh, I love, I love it. On my way. On my way. Um, okay, so, so that's something you're, you're kind of looking at, and I think that's exciting because yeah. Yeah. You, when you see something like this, mm -hmm. and the social studies, especially the social studies teachers that I've shown this, mm -hmm. they're just like, I want to do it. Oh. How in the world am I going to do it? You know, how am I, how am I going to put this together? How does this work? Uh, and I think that's. And does the book go into that? Yeah, oh yeah, the book does to some extent. The book is more the story of the game, but I'm working on a second book, the actual DNA nut and bolts of it, and I've actually written up quite a bit of that. Uh, the weird thing is, though, Zach, you know what's happened, Jerry? The the game from the TED talk, which is just 18 minutes, and it doesn't give the full description. People around the world write me. They've tried to tease out how this thing works from the TED Talk, and they have gone ahead, Bangalore, India, Hong Kong, Indonesia, have built their own World Peace Games and played them. They read back and said, John, it worked out great. Is this how you do it? And I go, no, not at all, but that's really cool the way you did it. I love that. <laughs> it's amazing. In Hong Kong, this little classroom, it didn't have enough classroom space. They wrote me, it's on our website actually, on the blog. They wrote me that they couldn't do the physical structure of the game board, so they did it all on spreadsheets. Whoa. And how do you do that? I don't even know. But that's what's happening. And people in Indonesia built the game. Bangalore, India. I look at their website. There's my, there's the game board I thought of 35 years ago. There it is. And they're having a ball doing it. You know, it's fantastic. What they're doing, but they're having a great time doing their own thing. Yeah, and it's it's not like, you know, oh, you're doing it wrong. No, are they learning? Is it you know, are the yeah. kids having fun? They're, yeah, that's a that's way. The it's a whole new way, which is great. Yeah. Which is not bad at all. Not at all. Because each year, like you said, each year the kids do it in a different way. Totally. They succeed in a different way. They really do. I can't even predict. I can't predict. I don't know what's coming. Like you said, that's the thing about keeping your hands off the wheel. You have to really just 
allow it to happen because they're going to do it. They're going to solve it. But, you know, you have to really have confidence in them and just let that game evolve on its own. It has a life of its own and you've got to allow it to breathe and live. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Jerry? Yeah. Mm. I'm just soaking it in, man. I know. Me too. Uh, that's I'm why I'm just sitting too. back here thinking. I, I'm just, <laughs> it's, it's got me thinking. See, Jerry, uh, now, Jerry, get, tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, you're probably sitting here going, hey, I could design a board. The artistic, uh, you know, the artist in him is just like, yeah, that would be, you know, kids creating the uh, different pieces. No, there's there's a lot there. And um, I'm just amazed. Yeah. I, I think it's, I think it's, it takes, you know, you might not think this. But to create a game and to um, to make it work and succeed, I mean, it, it takes genius. It really does, uh, and it takes inspiration. Uh, um, well, you know, I'm it's, sort of it's, inspired, Zach. I don't know about the genius part, but you know, <laughs> a friend of mine, I said one time, she's an artist. I said, you know, Rebbe, you're a genius. She said, don't call me that. I said, why not? She said, I'm just another carbon-based life form with a bunch of ideas. What's the big? <laughs> yeah. okay, you know what it. though? I, I think the genius of of this whole game and this whole idea, and this is this is the exact same thing that I thought about when we first started talking about it. Is huh. like it's one of those ideas that you just go, oh yeah, oh, that's such okay. a good idea. You know, like man, Thanks. why didn't I think of that? It just yeah, comes to you, and it's like, oh, <laughs> that was a great idea. You know? That's the best yeah. compliment I've gotten all week, Jerry. Thanks. <laughs> there you go. You, you know, go. I give you a freebie though. It, it the game self evolves now that you know I started it, but the kids I ask them for suggestions at the end of every game, and I get a stack of papers back. And some of them we can tweak in over the years, so they've had a lot to do with the growth of it. But the the one of the greatest evolutions of it we hope is I'd like to have two of these structures or three of them in the same room. That's sixty kids playing this thing, and there's a wormhole between each one, so the worlds are playing <laughs> themselves and each other at the same time. That would be complexity. And, and then, then we hope someday that you know maybe this will be third uh, third party open source somehow, and other people can start doing their own solutions. And we package the solutions or get them to the real world policy groups that can use some new ideas that actually work in a practical simulation. And say you know maybe we get some fresh ideas from people who are outside your circle, but they're out of the box and they work. Why don't you try them? You know maybe we could do some some good around here for a change. Well, I think that's I think that's awesome. I'm, uh, you, you have inspired me and that's, uh, and hope, you know, hopefully we can hear from our listeners and, and get some good positive, you know, get some feedback there. Um, okay. if you haven't, if you haven't checked out the website, we'll have that in the show notes. Um, and you, you really do need to check it out. You need, need to watch it. You know, Ted talks. Yeah. It's 18 minutes. It's not a long time. Mm-hmm. You get a lot of cool information, yeah. uh, about the game and about learning. Right. Right. It's all about learning. Right. It's all, and it's all about the kids mm-hmm. and, and, and helping them out. So, uh, Jerry, do you have any last comments there? Oh, uh, man. I got so many comments, but they're all stuck <laughs> in my brain right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, John, yeah, man. any last comments? Oh, no, guys. I mean, I'm, I'm just awed. I mean, I'm overwhelmed that you, that you take the time to talk. You know, I'm a little small-town school teacher here in the Blue Ridge Mountains, and you're taking the time to actually help us, you know, share this work and so forth. And the, the heart of it is really the kids come out of it with, you know, deeper insight into themselves, a greater respect for each other, and, and the, the ability to see the collaboration really does work and really can help us. And the, ultimately, they just want to be compassionate and help everybody to suffer less and, you know, have a happier life. So that, that from gaming, I think, is a great plus for me, a great benefit for me. Well, I hope 
I hope it spreads throughout the world oh. because we need it. Thank you, Zach. You, we need it. Your work too, Zach. Thank you. Guys you. Too. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's Ed Gamer podcast. Please follow us on edreach.us and also follow all the great podcasts and blog posts on the EdReach network. Have a great week. I talked to the Mayans. They're absolutely positive there's going to be a show next week. <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> we're going to have one, Jerry? Yeah. Okay. We're good to go. I have my Twinkies. 1222. Tune in. My Twinkies are ready. Twinkies. Just, just in case.